to Prime Minister's questions. Chris Law. Number one, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I know the whole House will have been shocked by the scenes at Al Ahli Hospital. As my honourable friend, the Foreign Secretary, has said, we are working independently and with our allies to find out what has happened. I am sure that honourable members will be raising further questions with me during today's session. Mr. Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. May I associate myself and the whole of my party here with the horrors and unfolding tragedy of the bombing uh, last night in Gaza of the hospital? Yeah, yeah. Here, here. Mr. Speaker, the Rafah border crossing from besieged Gaza into Egypt has been hit by several Israeli airstrikes, causing absolute terror for those who urgently need this crossing open to escape. Nadia El Nakla, an elected councillor in my city of Dundee and the wife of Scotland's First Minister, has had to take calls from her parents, Elizabeth and Majid, who, like all others trapped in Gaza, have been describing the horrors of death and indiscriminate killings everywhere. Members of her family were hit yesterday by a rocket from a drone, and Nadia's mother was saying her final goodbyes this morning, adding, Last night was the end for me. Better if my heart stops, and then I'll be at peace. I can't take another night. Mr Speaker, with military action intensifying and the death toll rapidly rising, the Prime Minister's first responsibility must be to bring British citizens home. So can the Prime Minister please give his personal assurances that every single step has been taken to open the Rafa crossing for both humanitarian aid and for UK nationals like Nadia's family to flee? Mr Speaker, of of course, the thoughts of everyone in this House will be with those families affected by what is happening in Israel and in Gaza. And I can give the Honourable Gentleman that assurance that we are doing everything in our power to ensure the safety of British nationals that are caught up in all of this, uh, including my calls with leaders across the region, particularly around opening the Rafa border crossing, which is why I prioritised talking to President Sisi last week, and we continue to have dialogue both with the Israelis and the Egyptians about the Rafa crossing. So, Dija. Mr Speaker, I'm proud to live in the most successful multiracial democracy in the world. But it does, uh, it saddens me, and I think it shames this whole House, that British Jews have been subject to such vile abuse and hatred in recent days. Anti-Semitism and all hate crimes, they fly in the face of British values. And we should not allow events abroad, no matter how horrific they are, to be used to sow seeds of division in our own country. So whilst I welcome all the actions that my right honourable friend is taking to to fight hate crime, to bring people together, may I uh, ask him to consider urgently an immediate and specific policy of revoking the visas of any foreign national that commits an act of anti-Semitism or any other hate crime. Mr Speaker, I completely agree with my honourable friend who himself has done so much over the years to fight anti-Semitism. The increase in incidents we've seen over the past week is utterly sickening, and this government will do whatever it takes to keep our Jewish community safe. That's why we've provided an additional £3 million of funding to support the Community Security Trust, and we are working with the police to ensure that hate crime and the glorification of terror is met with the full force of the law. Under our existing immigration rules, we do have the power to cancel a person's presence in the UK if it is not conducive to the public good. Mr Speaker, we will not tolerate this hatred, not in our country, not in this century. Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. 
Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I start by warmly welcoming the new member for Rutherglen and Hamilton West? Mr Speaker, the news last night of hundreds killed at the Baptist Hospital in Gaza is incredibly distressing, but it's much worse for the people of Gaza. Their fear that there's no place of safety is profound. International law must be upheld, and that means hospitals and civilian lives must be protected. Last night, the Foreign Secretary said the UK will work with our allies to find out what has happened. I know this only happened last night, but can the Prime Minister please tell us when he thinks he might be able to update the House on progress with that work? Oh, I, uh, I know the whole House will have been shocked by the scenes at uh, Al Ali Hospital. Any loss of innocent life is a dreadful tragedy. And everyone will be thinking both of those who have lost their lives and the families that they leave behind. We should not rush to judgment before we have all the facts on this awful situation. Every member will know that the words we say here have an impact beyond this house. This morning, I met with the National Security Advisor, but also the Chair of the Joint Intelligence Committee. I can tell the Honourable Gentleman our intelligence services have been rapidly analysing the evidence to independently establish the facts. Uh, we are not in a position at this point to say more than that, but I can tell him we are working at pace, but also cooperating and collaborating with our allies on this issue as we look to get to the bottom of the situation, and we will also continue all our efforts to get humanitarian aid into the region. Yes, I thank the Prime Minister for his answer. The terrible news last night came as we are still mourning the terrorist attack on Israel last week. Jews taken hostage, mutilated, slaughtered. And yesterday I met the families of some of the British hostages held by Hamas. Every minute of every hour of every day, they hope for good news, but fear the worst. They know the lives of their loved ones are in the hands of murderers. It's unimaginable agony. Israel has a right, a duty, to defend itself from Hamas, keep its people safe, and bring hostages home. But isn't it clear that if Hamas had a single concern for human life, a single concern for the safety of the Palestinian people, then they would never have taken these hostages, and they should release them immediately. Well, Mr Speaker, it is important consistently for us to remember that Israel has suffered a shockingly brutal terrorist attack, and it is Hamas and Hamas alone that is responsible for this conflict. Uh, our thoughts are rightly with those who have been taken hostage and their families. The distress they are feeling will be unimaginable uh, for all those affected. Uh, I will be meeting with some of the families and offering them all the support of the British Government to get their relatives home. We are working around the clock with our partners and allies to secure their freedom. And importantly, in amongst my other regional calls, I spoke specifically with the Emir of Qatar yesterday on this very issue, which we discussed at length. The Qatari government is taking a lead and working intensely to help release hostages using their contacts in the region, and we are working very closely with them to ensure the safe return of the British hostages. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Yesterday, I also met charities with staff working in Gaza and heard their accounts of the harrowing humanitarian crisis. Children fleeing their homes, 
hospitals barely able to function. The lights are going out and the innocent civilians of Gaza are terrified that they will die in the darkness, out of sight. International law must always be followed. Hamas are not the Palestinian people and the Palestinian people are not Hamas. Does he agree that medicines, food, fuel and water must get into Gaza immediately? This is an urgent situation and innocent Palestinians need to know that the world is not just simply watching but acting to prevent a humanitarian catastrophe. Mr Speaker, as I said on Monday, an acute humanitarian crisis is unfolding to which we must respond. It is right that we support the Palestinian people because they are victims of Hamas yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is why we have provided a further £10 million in humanitarian aid for people in the region. And we are working through preemptively moving aid and relief teams to Egypt, specifically to the El Arish airfield. We are working with local partners like the Egyptian Red Crescent and the United Nations primarily, and deploying Navy assets to the region, as well as exploring how we can support logistical requirements. And I've also raised this issue of humanitarian access in all of my conversations as a priority with every leader in the region, and we will continue working with them to get aid to where it is needed as quickly as possible. Just yeah. yes, Thank you, Mr Speaker. As has already been alluded to, since Hamas's terrorist attack, our country has seen a disgusting rise in anti-Semitism. Jewish businesses attacked, Jewish schools marked with red paint, and Jewish families hiding who they are. And we've seen an appalling surge in Islamophobia, racist graffiti, mosques forced to ramp up security, British Muslims and Palestinians spoken to as if they were terrorists. Does he agree with me that every member of this House has a duty, a duty to work in their constituency and across the country to say no to this hate and to ensure every British Jew and every British Muslim knows that they can live their life free from fear and free from discrimination here in their own country? Mr Speaker, all of us in this House can play our part in stamping out those who seek to cause division and hate in our society. Uh, we will make sure that we continue funding, as I said, the Community Security Trust, uh, but also the equivalent protective security grant to protect mosques and other places of worship for the Islamic community in the UK. That funding was increased earlier this year. We will also remain in dialogue with the police to make sure that they are aware of the full tools at their disposal to arrest those who perpetrate hate crimes, incite racial or other religious violence. There is no place for that in our society, and I know this House will stand united in making sure that those who do this face the full force of the law. Yes, Thank you, Mr Speaker. We do not want this conflict to harm us here at home, and we do not want it to escalate in the Middle East, where there has been too much bloodshed, too much darkness for too long. A two-state solution, a Palestinian state alongside a safe and secure Israel, feels more distant than ever, but it remains the only way through. Does the Prime Minister agree that, because hope is at its thinnest, we must work our hardest to ensure the voices of division and despair are sidelined, and that, however difficult it seems, 
the hope of a political path to peace is maintained. Mr Speaker, it is precisely because it is that vision of a more hopeful, peaceful future that Hamas tried to destroy that we must redouble our efforts to try and bring that future about. And all our conversations that both myself and the Foreign Secretary have had with regional leaders, we've emphasised our commitment to making sure that we make progress on all the avenues that will lead towards that peaceful future. Uh, and that has been a feature of both mine and the Foreign Secretary's dialogue. And I'm confident that there is willingness in the region not to escalate this crisis beyond dealing with Hamas, the terrorist organisation, but also to strive very hard to a future where Palestinians and Israelis can coexist peacefully side by side and look forward to a future filled with dignity, security and prosperity. This is a crisis where lives hang in the balance and where the enemies of peace and democracy would like nothing more than for us to become divided and to abandon our values. Does the Prime Minister agree that during this grave crisis, this House must strive to speak with one voice in condemnation of terror, in support of Israel's right to self-defence and for the dignity of all human life that cannot be protected without humanitarian access to those suffering in Gaza and the constant maintenance of the rule of international law? Mr Speaker, I agree. We will in this House speak with one voice in condemning Hamas for perpetrating a shockingly brutal terrorist attack and causing untold suffering on many. And as the Honourable Gentleman said, we stand united in supporting Israel's right to defend itself, to protect its people and to act against terrorism. Unlike Hamas, the Israeli President has made it very clear that their armed forces will operate in accordance with international law, and we will continue to urge the Israelis to take every precaution to avoid harming civilians, whilst remembering, importantly in this House, that it is Hamas that is cruelly embedding itself in civilian populations. Andy Carter. Very much, Mr. Speaker, and can I associate myself with the words of the Prime Minister? And can I commend the Prime Minister and the Foreign Secretary for the work they're doing to find a peaceful settlement in the Middle East? Mr Speaker, can I welcome the Prime Minister's decision to provide £12 billion worth of funding for east-west high-speed rail lines between Manchester and Liverpool, and his focus on great northern towns as well as cities in the north? Will the Prime Minister ensure that towns like Warrington benefit fully from this rail upgrade? and that a hub station at Warrington Bank Quay linking Northern Powerhouse Rail to the West Coast Main Line remains a key part of the Network North. Yeah. Well, can I thank my honourable friend for his continued campaign to improve rail services in Warrington. And he's right. We will be investing £12 billion to better connect Manchester and Liverpool. This would allow for the delivery of Northern Powerhouse Rail exactly as previously planned, including high-speed lines, which would provide better rail connections for the people living in northern towns like Warrington. And I know that he'll be discussing this further when he meets with the rail minister. MP Leader Stephen Flynn. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We all continue to unequivocally condemn the abhorrent terrorist attack on the Jewish people and the Israeli state. We fully support the defeat of Hamas and, of course, the safe return of all hostages who have been taken. So, too, I hope, do we all share the same 
common humanity of protecting civilians and condemning any acts of con collective punishment against the Palestinian people. In that regard, many of the images emanating from Gaza in recent days will shock us all to the core. So can I ask the Prime Minister, will he join with us on these benches and call for an immediate ceasefire in the region? Mr Speaker, we believe that Israel does have a right to defend itself, to protect its people and to act against terrorism and ensure that the awful attack that we've seen from Hamas cannot happen again. And unlike Hamas, the Israelis, including the President, have made it clear that their armed forces will operate in accordance with international law. And we will continue to urge the Israelis to take every precaution to avoid harming civilians. Stephen Flynn. Mr Speaker, my ask for a ceasefire is done with all sincerity, sincerity to protect civilians, but also to ensure that we have the safe creation of humanitarian corridors, humanitarian corridors which will allow for food, for water and for vital medicines to get into Gaza, but also for innocent civilians caught up in this terrible conflict to flee. In respect of those who wish to flee, can I ask the Prime Minister what early consideration, if any, his government has given to the creation of a refugee resettlement scheme akin to that previously put in place for Syrian nationals, Afghani nationals and, of course, Ukrainian nationals? Yeah. Yeah. Mr Speaker, I'm proud that we are already one of the most significant contributors to the United Nations efforts to support Palestinian refugees and our funding supports around 5.8 million refugees annually and on Monday we announced a significant increase in our funding of aid to the region including to the UN to support refugees. Uh, with regard to humanitarian aid, as I said before, we are already working through preemptively moving aid and relief teams into the region, but critically the most important thing is to open up access for that aid to get into Gaza, which is why our conversations with the Egyptians and others are so critical. We continue to work closely with allies to find every way to get that aid to the people who need it as quickly as possible. Stephen Crabb. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Last night, sections of the British media were reporting as fact that it was Israeli rockets that had landed and attacked the Al Ali hospital, relying on information supplied by officials in terrorist-controlled Gaza. The headlines have since been rewritten, but the outpouring of Jew hate on social media overnight was vile. So would the Prime Minister please make the point again that the way that this conflict is being reported has massive implications yeah. Yeah. for our Jewish community and that any information coming from Hamas must be treated with a degree of scrutiny and cross-examination that is sadly sometimes lacking. Can I, can I commend my honourable friend for his excellent intervention? He is absolutely right that we should not rush to judgment before we have all the facts on the appalling situation that we saw yesterday, particularly given the sensitivities that he raises, the impact on communities here, but also across the region. And as I said, it is incumbent on all of those in positions of responsibility in this House and outside in the media to recognise that the words we say will have an impact and we should be careful with them. We are working with our allies 
to establish the truth of what has happened. We will do that robustly and independently, but he's right to point out in the same way is that we don't treat what comes out of the Kremlin as the gospel truth. We should not do the same with Hamas. So, Jeffrey Donaldson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I associate my party with the comments in relation to the deplorable loss of human life, of innocent life in both Israel and in Gaza? Mr Speaker, having left the European Union, building links and cooperation across the four nations of our United Kingdom can only strengthen the Union. Will the Prime Minister agree with my proposal for the creation of an East-West Council to bring together all parts of the UK family to discuss and collaborate on the trading and many other opportunities presented by the Union? Can I say I think the Right Honourable Gentleman made a powerful case in his conference speech last weekend for a strong functioning Northern Ireland within our Union. Uh, My Honourable Friend, the Secretary of State, has had the opportunity to discuss our shared commitment to the Union with his party over recent weeks and months, and I'm grateful for the constructive approach and tone taken in those discussions. Uh, I think there is considerable merit in the idea of a new East-West Council to further strengthen the Union, and I look forward to exploring the issue with him and his colleagues further. Martin Bickers. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, Following my right honourable friend's decision to reallocate funding from HS2, can I urge him to consider uh, a number of projects that will boost the economy and and improve the quality of life for my constituents and and for Northern Lincolnshire? In order to improve access to the free ports of the Humber, we need duelling of the A15 between Lincoln and the A180. And it is the A180 in particular that causes no end of problems for residents in nearby villages because of the concrete surface. Can I urge him to uh, deal with uh, uh, resurfacing? And finally, Mr Speaker... (laughs) Finally, I'd say I think the AA Atlas has been run out. Prime Minister... (laughs) Uh, well, my, uh, my honourable friend has been a long-standing champion for Cleethorpes, and in particular the importance of strong regional transport connections. Network North will see Hull fully connected to the Northern Powerhouse Network, which I know he'll welcome, and also North East Lincolnshire will share in a brand new £2.5 billion fund to support local transport connections, perhaps many uh, or some of the ones that he mentioned. Uh, but I know he will also have been delighted to see LNER run a test service to Cleethorpes earlier this year, and I can assure him that DFT are continuing work to see a direct service to London reinstated. Janet Davy. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, members from the party opposite have said. The way to fix the economic crisis that they have caused is to cut state spending by £200 and to freeze NHS budget. When will the Prime Minister stand up to the extremists in his party and condemn these ideas? Mr Speaker, weeks after becoming Prime Minister, we announced a significant increase of almost £14 billion for the NHS and social care. Uh, we followed that up with the first long-term workforce plan in the NHS's history to ensure that we train the doctors and nurses we need uh, for the future. That demonstrates our commitment to the NHS. And we also, I'm pleased to say, reached a settlement with over one million NHS workers, including our nurses, for a full, a fair and affordable pay rise. So Desmond Swing. Aid poured into Gaza in 2005 when Israel withdrew. Enlightened governance could have made a success of it. It is Hamas 
that has turned it into hell, hasn't it? Well, Mr. Mr. Speaker, I know this is a subject on which my right honourable friend speaks with authority, and I thank him for his previous work in the area. Uh, what I can say to him is, with regard to our aid funding, as the Foreign Secretary will outline later, we have very stringent governance in place to make sure that it is spent on the humanitarian uh, needs which we want to address. Uh, but also, I agree with him, there is one person and one person alone that is responsible for the atrocities that we are seeing, and that is Hamas. Richard Ford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And on behalf of the Liberal Democrats, may I associate myself and my party with all those comments that have talked about the protection of innocent civilians today, wherever they may be. A whole wing of Seton Hospital in Devon is earmarked for demolition under this government. The proposal to demolish this wing is an insult to the communities who raised millions of pounds to help fund the upkeep of services at that hospital. The space was given to NHS Property Services, but thanks to the charging policy introduced by the Conservatives, that company is demanding £300,000 in rent. Will the PM uh, let the NHS Property Services hand over the space to health, charities and community interest groups so that we can stop a wrecking ball going through Seton Hospital? Mr Speaker, as the Honourable Gentleman knows, decisions about hospital infrastructure are a matter for the NHS. I'm told that Devon Integrated Care Board are working together with NHS property services and local community healthcare providers to establish a future sustainable use for the currently vacant space. And may I also, Mr Speaker, take the opportunity to commend the work that my honourable friend, the member for East Devon, is doing on this topic too. Mark Eastwell. I would like to thank the Prime Minister on his commitment to improve transport links in the north. However, to ensure that a complete strategic approach to rail links is achieved across the region, it should include the much-needed upgrade to the Penistone Line running from Huddersfield through my constituency in Sheffield to Sheffield, an upgrade which one, the members sat with me from Colne Valley and Penistone Stocksbridge would also like to see delivered. With that in mind, would my, will my right honourable friend commit to including the Penistone Line in the Network North plans? Yeah, 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 yeah. My, uh, my honourable friend is a fantastic campaigner for the Penistone Line rail upgrade. Uh, I know that the, uh, my honourable friend, the Transport Secretary, is conducting a corridor development study given the new commitments to both Sheffield and Leeds, uh, Sheffield Leeds and Sheffield to Hull, and as part of that exercise, will consider enhancing the service on the Huddersfield to Peniston and Sheffield line. And I know that my honourable friend will discuss this further when he meets the Rail Minister. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In Bristol South, around a third of children live in poverty, most of them in working households. It's about the same as in Tamworth, where the Conservative candidate for tomorrow's election made foul-mouthed comments about families struggling to make ends meet. This is his Conservative Party. Will he condemn that candidate's comments? Well, Mr Speaker, I'm proud of our record supporting people with a cost of living. Thanks to the actions that we've taken, we've paid half of a typical family's energy bill last winter, frozen fuel duty, boosted the national living wage to record levels, and 8 million people across this country are now receiving direct cost of living payments worth £900. Whilst we're helping people with a cost of living, all Labour's ideas are doing are costing them a fortune. You may notice that more ladies in the chamber today are wearing pink for breast cancer awareness. But roughly 15% of those with breast cancer are diagnosed with lobular cancer, a little-known strain that's harder to detect, 
has worse outcomes and no dedicated treatment. I'm working with Dr. Susan McAllis at the Lobular Moonshot Project um, to campaign for a dedicated research stream for lobular cancer. Will the Prime Minister meet with us to discuss this and how the government can help us save more lives from breast cancer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Mr Speaker, I thank my honourable uh, friend for all her work in this area. Early diagnosis of cancer is key and the NHS's Help Us Help You campaign is seeking to address the barriers deterring patients from accessing, accessing diagnosis and treatment. Uh, thanks to treatments and faster detections, survival rates for breast cancer are now increasing and last year more than a million scans were carried out, preventing an estimated 1,300 deaths from breast cancer, but this Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I encourage anyone who is invited to take up the offer of breast cancer screening. Stuart Malcolm Michael. Yeah. I'm very grateful, Mr. Speaker. Of course, the sadism of Hamas can only be condemned, and there is no question of Israel's right to defence and security. But international law is very clear, Mr. Speaker, that acting against international law in response to terrorism is unjustified. So in all of the packages that the Prime Minister has announced vis-à-vis -vis humanitarian aid and the military package he announced last week, can he tell the House how the government will ensure that international law is adhered to beyond just statements from Israel's head of state? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Mr Speaker, he talked about uh, military assets. Let me be crystal clear. The assets that we have moved into the region are not there in any combat capacity. They are there for two reasons. First and foremost, to provide surveillance to ensure that this crisis does not escalate and that arms aren't being sent to entities like Hezbollah. That's what our surveillance aircraft are currently doing, and indeed uh, the next set of assets arriving this week will also help. But also, they are there to provide contingency support for humanitarian assistance as and when required in the coming days and weeks. Speaker. On Sunday, Terence Carney, a 70-year-old Hartlepudlian, was murdered by an asylum seeker. The people are afraid and angry. Every week my office is besieged by asylum seekers. My staff are intimidated by young men. The fact is most of them are illegal migrants who should be expelled. My thoughts and sympathies are with Mr Carney's family and friends as and all my constituents affected by this heinous crime. However, sympathy is not enough. They deserve action and I am demanding it. Will the Prime Minister take action? Will he make sure enforcement is delivered? Will he ensure that people who have no right to be here are expelled? Enough is enough. I want these people out of Hartlepool now. Mr Speaker, as my, as my honourable friend knows, I'm unable to comment on cases which are currently before the call, but can I join her in expressing my sympathies to families affected? And I would like to reassure her that this government is doing everything we can to tackle illegal migration and the harm it causes by removing those with no right to be here in the UK. We have excellent long-standing relationships to return people to many countries. We are returning thousands of people more this year than we have done in the past, and we will continue to use every avenue at our disposal to ensure that it is only this country and this government who decides to come here and not criminal gangs. Yeah, thank you very much, Mr Speaker. We have all been horrified at events in Israel and Gaza, and it's right we condemn and condemn utterly the inhuman terrorism of Hamas. This should also be the case with any obscenities and war crimes carried out by the Israeli Defence Force. 
Both the UN and the Medicines and Frontier have described the siege of Gaza and the withholding of water to its people as collective punishment, a yep. war crime under the Geneva Convention. Yep. Yep. Yet this week, both the Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition have supported Israel's right to do so. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Quite simply put, Mr Speaker, Israel suffered from a brutal terrorist attack at the hands of Hamas. And it is absolutely right that Israel does have a right to defend itself, to root out terrorism and ensure that such an act doesn't happen again. As their president has said, their military will operate uh, within international law. But what the honourable gentleman failed to acknowledge, that it is Hamas that embeds themselves inside civilian populations, puts innocent civilians in harm's way, and he would do well to remember that. Crispin Blunt. Mr Speaker, my right honourable friend has been absolutely right to lead the nation in reassuring the British Jewish community in the wake of the utterly appalling atrocity visited upon Israel and Jews on the, uh, uh, the 7th of October. Uh, my right honourable friend, uh, I understand, will be travelling uh, to the region and he will, um, he will see for himself the shock and trauma uh, that is through the Israeli nation after this event. And that is shock and trauma that is also accompanied by a rage. And the enormous danger is that the Israeli reaction led by a Prime Minister who will be held accountable for this failure of intelligence is going to amount, is indeed amounting to a war crime. And that will not only be a crime, it will be a mistake. And I urge my right honourable friend, there is now no one better placed to urge restraint upon Israel to stay within the international rule of law and exercise restraint on behalf of us all. Mr Speaker, as a friend, we will always urge Israel to take every possible practical precaution to avoid harming civilians and indeed to act within international law, as their president has said that their armed forces will do, whilst recognising the incredible complexity and difficulty of the situation on the ground. And it does bear repeating, Hamas is a terrorist organisation that embeds themselves inside of civilian populations. It is something we always have to remember. And Israel is taking every practical possible step to avoid harming civilians. And we will do everything we can to provide humanitarian support to the area. Rebecca Long the Prime Minister will be delighted to know that nuclear veterans like my constituent's granddad John are starting to receive the medals he promised. But John is still not getting his full medical records, his blood tests from Christmas Island, which are crucial for claiming a war pension, are missing, and countless veterans report the same. So I asked the Prime Minister. As the MOD has admitted that it holds at least 150 files withheld from National Archives referring to blood tests and other data, will he review those documents, report back to the House and hold a public inquiry into why medical record omissions have happened and on whose instruction? Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I start by thanking all our veterans for their contribution to our safety? and security. Uh, I'm delighted I was able to announce the new nuclear test medal 
last year and it's starting to be received by many people, including uh, the, the Honourable Lady's constituent. Uh, the Honourable Lady will know that I can't uh, comment on <coughs> ongoing litigation in respect to requests for health records. However, I can say that anyone can request copies of their own medical data by submitting a subject access request to the Department, and if they are not satisfied with the processing of that request, they can make a formal complaint via the complaints process. Mr Speaker, we appear to be on a downward spiral in the Middle East, which is inevitably going to lead to a humanitarian crisis. The role of Egypt will be fantastically important. What can we in the wider international community do to help work with the Egyptians to ensure that refugees, legitimate refugees, coming onto Egyptian soil pose no threat to the Egyptian state and are not terrorists in disguise? Mr. Uh, Mr. Speaker, my honourable friend raises an excellent point about the concerns uh, of the Egyptians with regard to that border. But I can tell him we have prioritised speaking with President Sisi and are in continued dialogue with our Egyptian partners to see what we can do to provide reassurances, get humanitarian aid to the region. We are currently working with local partners like the Egyptian Red Crescent and the UN on the ground. There will be a significant logistical challenge in stockpiling aid at the border and then moving it into Gaza. And I want to reassure my honourable friend and the whole House that is something that the Development Minister is actively engaged in as we speak so that we can play a leading role in facilitating the provision of that aid. This is the final question before the urgent question. Patricia Gibson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The industrial dispute at the Defence Equipment and Support Ministry of Defence site at Beeth in my constituency is dragging on as workers engage in strike action for parity and fairness in the workplace. Mm -hmm. These workers are critical in ensuring that necessary supplies to Ukraine are are uninterrupted. But all attempts by the workers to resolve this dispute have proved unsuccessful in the face of management intransigence. Will the Prime Minister personally and urgently use his influence to ensure a meaningful offer is made to these workers in order that this matter can be resolved, further strike action can be averted and supplies to the Ukraine can continue without disruption? Mr Speaker, can I thank the Honourable Member for highlighting the critical role played by non-craft support operatives at Defence Munitions. Differing rates are paid for workers with different skills and qualifications, which is entirely normal practice in both the public and the private sector. This year, a generous pay award was delivered as part of DENS Pay 2023. It significantly improved the base pay of workers engaged in the dispute, and I am told that officials continue to be open to talks on a constructive basis with the GMB to resolve the situation. I'll just let the Chamber clear before we come to the urgent question.